say is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. But as always, I'm your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And, oh man, it, for those of you that are used to the, the normal schedule, I apologize. I am a little late. Yesterday, I had to leave the day job early and come home and basically just take some Tylenol and crash because I was running a fever of 102.9 for a big chunk of the day. So, with that being the case, I wasn't able to do the usual Tuesday night bit. Uh, however, this morning, it, it, of course, is Wednesday. It's Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day for those of you who uh, care at all about that. Uh, fortunately, this morning, I'm only running a fever of 101.2, uh, according to my latest thermometer uh, check. So, uh, I am feeling a little better than I was yesterday, uh, but still... Not in the best of <laughs> conditions, so if I do sound a little loopy, if I'm not able to get finished, I, I just beg for your forgiveness and indulgence. All right, so uh, a lot of stuff going on, which is why I really can't push this off uh, any further if I can help it, because I know lots of things are going to continue to, to be an issue. So, 
uh, as we continue to look at the ongoing stories from Alejandro Mayorkas, from Biden, uh, mental competency, uh, all of this other stuff going on, we've got to get some of this stuff in while we can. Before we do that, however, I do want to uh, talk to you a little bit about our friends over at for Patriots. Now, their big emphasis of this month, and rightfully so, is the fact that literally two-thirds of Americans are at risk of experiencing a blackout, and not just a short-term blackout, but a serious one. You could be one of these people that are sitting in the dark and in the cold, or, you know, if it comes a little later in the year, maybe in the heat. It could be a matter of hours, which typically inconvenient, but usually not too big of a deal for most folks. Uh, unfortunately, it also could be a matter of days, maybe even weeks. Depends on the reason for the blackout. And as we have marked quite frequently here recently, given the Biden open border policies and the fact that we know a lot of the people that are coming in our nation unfettered do not have America's best interest in mind, <clears throat> you should be concerned about this. So, Four Patriots wants to know, are you ready to protect your family? In this case, from the power outages. Now, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Uh, folks say that this new solar generator from Four Patriots is worth its weight in gold because this generator has doubled the capacity and is expandable based on previous versions. So basically, you can be running big appliances like your refrigerator, and you can be running them for a lot longer without having to recharge. Uh, other devices, like an electric blanket, that's no problem. Microwave oven, no problem. RV air conditioner, got you covered. Electric wheelchairs, even. You know, whatever you may need to do. You get 12 outlets on this bad boy. That includes four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at once. Two USB-C outlets, so you can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. That's not a small thing. Best of all, this brand new solar generator, it's fume-free. No fumes means no risk of carbon monoxide poisoning. It means it's safe to use it inside. And it never needs gas, ever. Look, there's already over 150,000 Americans that trust Patriot Power Generators. You try it out, you'll become one of them. Go to 4 backslash T-A-P-P and get your solar generator right now. Now, here, here's the big deal, okay? 4 backslash T-A-P-P. That's a special site just set aside for listeners of this show. You go to that page. It's not a special site. It's a special page on the site. You go to the, that page, and it starts you with this week's deals and discounts, which is a great place for you to start if you're just getting on your preparedness journey. Or if you're a longtime pro, you've got a lot of your preparedness uh, issues squared away. But you might be looking for those perfect additions to what you already have, and you're looking to do it at the best price possible. It's great either way. Plus, if you do know somebody who needs to get on that preparedness journey that hasn't, but they don't listen to the show, 
it's okay to share this page with them too because like i said it's a great place to start now speaking of great places to start let's get the show started talking about how the house republicans took a second bite at the apple and they did vote to impeach homeland security secretary alejandro mayorkas basically the rationale here is alejandro mayorkas was impeached for facilitating what critics and experts have called an invasion into the U.S. southern border by millions of illegal aliens from around the world. That's a big, important factor in this scenario. They're not just people crossing from Mexico. They're not Mexicans. They're not Guatemalans who managed to get through Mexico. They're not Hondurans who managed to make the trick. Now, there are some of those, very few Mexicans actually, but there are still a good number of Guatemalans and Hondurans and El Salvadorans and, and folks from Central and South America. Uh, the thing is, the further away from Mexico you come uh, from, uh, the more of a head-scratcher it is why we're offering asylum. When asylum laws in this country state that you're supposed to come through a legal port of entry. You're supposed to try to seek asylum uh, in the first country other than your own uh, where you're safe. It is hard to imagine that anything other than financial gain and the possibility of enjoying the U.S benefit system, the rather generous system, the, the system that appears to be offering more to people that are not citizens of this country than it does in an effort to take care of the citizens of this country uh, under the Biden administration, under the Obama administration previously, under previous administrations before that. In fact, the Trump administration is probably the only one that tried to refocus the American citizen above that of those who do not legally belong here and are not at least making a legal effort to be here. The sad part here is that the members voted literally by one vote to approve the resolution. It was 214 to 213. This made Mayorkas the first cabinet secretary to be impeached in the United States since 1876. 1876, now that's a minute. It's part of why there's so much discussion now about what constitutes grounds for impeachment. When it comes to this situation, I'll get to that in a second, but... To be uh, fair and to cut to the chase, a little bit of a spoiler, I don't think there's any question that Alejandro did in fact indeed deserve to be impeached and that Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. also deserves to be impeached for the very same reason. Like I said, I'll get to that in a minute. The funny thing here is, though, in response to the impeachment, leftist DHS spokesperson Mia Ennenberg 
released a statement that made political attacks against the House Republicans. Oh, you guys, you're just terrible people. You're you're trampling on the Constitution for political gain rather than working to solve the serious challenges at the border. Would that be the serious challenges at the border that Mayorkas, Biden, and everyone in this administration denied even existed until about five minutes ago? Would that be the same serious challenges that literally rose to 20 times the level the instant Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. took the oath of office? Because what was the average illegal border crossing? What was that? What did we see going on? During the Trump years, we saw self-deportation going on in the earliest time period before Trump took office because these people understood Trump was America first. Trump, they didn't know how serious he was going to be. They didn't know how hard he was going to come down. They didn't know that the entire deep state was going to align against them and pump the brakes at every opportunity Trump had to try to make something right. So a lot of them got out of Dodge first because they were afraid that there would be a return to the actual immigration laws that are on the books and have been ignored for decades at this point as a question, as a matter of policy, as opposed to what the actual law is. Now, back to this little statement, which, of course, uh, quoting the statement, I should quote it instead of just paraphrasing like I did a second ago with my goofy voice about, uh, quote, House Republicans will be remembered by history for trampling on the Constitution for political gain rather than working to solve the serious challenges at the border. While Secretary Mayorkas was helping a group of Republicans and Democratic senators develop bipartisan solutions to strengthen border security and get needless resources, needless, I'm sorry, needed resources for enforcement, uh, House Republicans have wasted months with this baseless, unconstitutional impeachment. It is, in fact, constitutional, though. We are literally talking about the fact that the Biden administration, that Alejandro Mayorkas and those who report directly to him have not been enforcing existing federal immigration law and have been allowing millions of illegal aliens into the U.S. Despite that, Edinburgh here claims that the House Republicans did not have a shred of evidence or legitimate constitutional grounds to impeach Mayorkas. Said, quote, House Republicans have falsely smeared a dedicated public servant who has spent more than 20 years enforcing our laws and serving our country. Except, has he served our country or has he served the leftist Marxist ideologies that he clearly appears to? Has he served the idea of moving forward with trying to collapse the United States from within? Has he served... This administration, who's clearly not being controlled by the person who's supposed to be the president, but in fact are a bunch of Marxists who are working to not just have a managed decline of the United States as a 
world power, but in an effort to just try to wipe us off the map as a nation altogether. Because you can't be a country without a defined border. That's just reality, which I know a lot of leftists have a hard time grasping. They have a really hard time holding on to the very idea of reality. Reality tends to get in their way. Facts tend to get in their way. So they deal very much with the imaginations and the imaginations and the emotions of individuals, particularly the young, who are easily manipulated due to their lack, their glorious lack of life experience, their inability to utilize critical thinking, their inability to cut through the minutiae and the bovine excrement as being shoveled on top of them from people that have fallen into the leftist mindset. It's utterly absurd. They want to call this a political stunt, but the bottom line is, if there was a endeavor that is unconstitutional, it is in fact the willful efforts by this administration and Alejandro Mayorkas right at the top in this particular department of the United States government that have willfully ignored the law and have willfully refused to execute the law, all in an effort to accommodate the agenda, the political goals of destroying the country. Now, they'll never tell you that that's the goal. They'll say they're trying to bring more people into the country because we are a nation of immigrants. They'll try to tell you they're trying to do it in a more humane way. But at the end of the day, there's no humane way to encourage the cartels to make money off the backs of illegals trying to get here because they do want a better life. There's no humane way to encourage human trafficking and drug running. There's no humane way of turning over operational control of our southern border to the cartels. But these are the things that have occurred under this agenda. These are the things that have occurred as a direct result of the policies of this administration. And Alejandro Mayorkas' best defense here is that he's just following the orders from the administration from on high. And that, of course, is still not a defense. Something that often gets ignored here is that even at the time that the oath of offices and that the Constitution was being uh, written, uh, being debated, being put together, is the fact that ignoring the constitutional requirements of the job did in fact constitute in the minds of the framers a high crime and misdemeanor. Let me read to you the oath of office for the President of the United States. Quote, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Now, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. Now, is that all there is to it? No. They are expected 
to faithfully execute the laws of this nation. Faithfully execute the laws of the nation. Now, the President of the United States has a little bit of say in what the laws are by virtue of veto power. Vetoes can be overridden. That's a clear incident. But they don't get to pick and choose which laws that they enforce. They're supposed to faithfully execute the laws as they exist. They may not like them, but when they don't like them, as a matter of policy, they're supposed to encourage Congress to change them. You've got uh, several tools available, but when it comes to what is law, the job of the executive branch is to enforce them, to faithfully execute them, like them or not. This idea of judicial... Uh, choice, the, the judicial discretion is the proper terminology, uh, which was made very, very popular under the Obama administration, but it had been around previous to that. But this very idea of judicial discretion, the ability to focus uh, in alignment with their uh, administrative goals, uh, it's been expanded to the point of them almost believing it, it almost being accepted that it's okay to just ignore the laws you don't want to uh, to execute, that you don't want to enforce. That's not the case. And in doing that, you are, in fact, engaging in willful misconduct. You are engaging in willful breaking of the Constitution which is breaking the law, which is a high crime and or misdemeanor, which means they are guilty of it. But here's the thing. When you're sitting in the office, you don't have to be charged with it to be removed from the office for it. In fact, if you'll pay close attention when it comes to the president of the United States, we've made it very clear that if you're a sitting president, we'd really rather not charge you with a crime while you're president. We'll look at it, we'll see the evidence, we'll decide if we should impeach you. And then once you're impeached, it's free reign. If you have violated serious laws, you are, in fact, open to prosecution. But you really shouldn't be prosecuted while you're president. That, that's legal doctrine. Whether that's right or not is a completely different story. I'm not sure I agree with that, with the exception of the fact that when it comes to uh, the world stage, not the best look to have someone who's been convicted of a crime, uh, a serious crime, a legitimate conviction, uh, sitting there on top of your executive branch, supposedly the leader of the free world. So that's been an idea. But the point here is that that basically sets the stage. You don't have to have been uh, convicted of this crime. And because at the end of the day, the Justice Department isn't going to criminally charge you for violating the Constitution, even though they should, because it is, in fact, the highest law of the land. 
But if you're not going to criminally convict them of failing to do the job, then the very political remedy of impeachment is literally the only remedy that's available. And it should be utilized when it's necessary. And it shouldn't be utilized on a whim. It shouldn't be utilized just because, hey, we don't like that guy. There should be bipartisanship. But here's the problem. The the partisanship that currently exists in D.C. is so strong that there's no way to work around that bipartisanship. There just isn't. There's no way of getting enough Democrats to look at a democratically appointed guy and say, you know what, yeah, he did kind of fail to do the job. He did kind of ignore all of the laws, and he willfully, <coughs> willfully ignored them, willfully violated them in an effort to follow orders. He's going to be Mayorkas' defense here. Uh, should it ever get to that point, he's not going to need it. The Democrats are already all no votes over in the Senate, and they'll probably get a couple of uh, Republicans over there to go along too. Oh, we're just doing this for political gain. No, you're doing this because this is the right thing to do. He has clearly willfully violated U.S. immigration law, which he is personally responsible for the entire department that's supposed to be enforcing. But as secretary of whatever, if you are receiving orders from a president that's in clear violation of the Constitution, that's in clear violation of your duties and responsibilities, rather than just say, okay, I'm just going to follow orders, you're supposed to say, no, Mr. President, I can't do this. This is why. And if you can't convince the guy who's supposed to be in charge that you're right and they're wrong, you're supposed to resign. This guy has committed high crimes and misdemeanors by refusing to faithfully execute the laws of the country. And by that same argument, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. also deserves to be impeached for this very same reason. And it should be a slam dunk. The problem is the Democrats won't go along with it. And how do we know? Because they won't even admit that Joe Biden has been involved with corruption. We just recently had to Tony uh, Bobolinsky, you know, the former business associate with Hunter Biden. He was, again, talking to congressional investigators, and he told them this past Tuesday, that Joe Biden was, in fact, an enabler of his family members' foreign dealings that granted sway over the U.S. government. He, he had his brother and he had Hunter out there selling access to him. And Bobolinsky now is saying that he didn't just uh, allow them to bank on their last name, that he, in fact, was an enabler, that it, in fact, did buy some sway over the government based on the office he was holding at the time. Two House committees received testimony from Bobolinsky, who happens to be a Navy veteran, by the way, who came forward with evidence about the alleged Biden family corruption just two weeks before the 2020 presidential election as one of many witnesses in the ongoing impeachment investigation, the Biden impeachment investigation over the corruption. 
the Biden family's foreign influence peddling operation from China to Ukraine to other places around the world sold out to foreign actors who were seeking to gain influence and access to Joe Biden and the United States government. This directly from the opening statement from Bobolinsky. Quote, Joe Biden was one more. Joe Biden was more than a participant in and beneficiary of his family's business. He was an enabler, despite being buffered by a complex scheme to maintain plausible deniability. Bobolinsky also said, quote, the only reason any of these international business transactions took place with tens of millions of dollars flowing directly to the Biden family was because Joe Biden was in high office. The Biden family business was Joe Biden, period, end quote. Also in his opening statement, Bobolinsky detailed other foreign business dealings that alleged involvement uh, of the Biden family. And he said that he met Joe Biden in 2017 to discuss deals, claimed he was defrauded by the Biden family, and suggested that law enforcement has been singularly unwilling to speak with him. Bobolinsky appeared before the House Oversight and the Judiciary Committees behind closed doors. Uh, They broke for lunch. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle shared diverging opinions about the testimony and the level of credibility. Marjorie Taylor Greene said, Bobolinsky seems to be the one man Democrats are most afraid of. Yelling and sputtering politically charged questions, yet having no concern about the President of the United States and his son's business dealings with the CCP. (coughs) Democrats are already trying to create their cover-up and narrative on the deposition. After the facts given, it will be a desperate attempt at lying again for the Bidens. Robert Garcia, representative Democrat from uh, California, said, quote, I'm two hours into Tony Bobolinsky's unhinged and uncredible testimony in this impeachment scam. He has produced zero evidence linking President Biden to any business deals. Zero. Okay, he's testifying that he met with him to discuss deals and that, in fact, not only are the Biden family corrupt, And Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is definitely part of the deal. But they're so corrupt that they couldn't even hold up their agreements with Bobolinsky. So you tell me, is that zero evidence? That's why they have to attack his credibility. That's why they're drawing this out so long. That's why they don't want to talk about Bobolinsky. So we've got multiple reasons to impeach Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And we also have the fact that the 25th Amendment, uh, Amendment, uh, 25th Amendment should have been triggered already. But the only reason they haven't, after that uber disastrous, literally worst press conference in presidential history last week, is the fact that that means clearly that puts Kamala Harris 
in the Oval Office. That also means that their current tiebreaker at the Senate goes away. And right now, with these impeachment things going on, they do not want to risk losing the tiebreaker. And it could get worse, rather than not having the tie-breaking vote, depending on who Kamala chose to be her VP. Now, she wouldn't have to pick one right away. There would have to be a confirmation process, I think, at this point. But all that's irrelevant. If she chose a Democrat who's currently serving in the Senate, guess what? Boom. Uh, Until special elections take place, that means the advantage goes to the Republicans. They can't have any of that, can they? Don't make the mistake of thinking for even a second that that's not part of their thinking over there. All right, let's take the mid-hour break before I go any further. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This is David Barker with Barker Financial. Thank you for listening to Tim Tapp and Tap into the Truth. The First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution plainly states Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's Space from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. In 2021, several pro-life activists held a prayer vigil in the lobby of an abortion mill in Tennessee. The believers in Jesus Christ peacefully prayed and sang several hymns before quietly leaving without incident. Soon after, FBI Gestapo agents converged on the homes of those who prayed for the lives of the unborn brandishing rifles and arrested the pro-life activists without even identifying themselves when they were asked what their names are. So now, Chester Gallagher of Tennessee, Heather Iden, Calvin Zestro, Caroline Davis of Michigan, Coleman Boyd of Missouri, Dennis Green of Virginia, and Paul Vaughn of Tennessee face up to 11 years in prison for simply praying and exercising their freedom of religion. In this land of liberty, I find it hypocritical when people arrested and face 11 years in prison for praying while BLM and Antifa rioters who physically harmed people and destroyed property were never, ever grabbed by the long arm of the law. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Being stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now 
and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow, Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember constitutional grounds the coffee you want in your cup hi this is matt fitzgibbons at patriotmusic.com if you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music check out my five albums and videos on american history at patriotmusic.com you say gun control is using both hands i've gotta be free the way god made Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say I got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yeah, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabschett, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at RedBalloon.Work. I'm Andrew Krabschett. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschatz from RedBalloon.Work. Check us out today. This is Ed Dowd. I'm with Finance Technologies, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. All 
Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that brief break. Do need to ask you a very important question before we move on to our next portion of the show, and that is, have you put any thought about using physical gold or silver to help mitigate the risk of financial collapse? <laughs> I mean, if you haven't thought about it by now, uh, you're kind of behind the curve. I mean, you really are. Uh, having physical gold and silver, it's a good thing. These are precious metals. They've never been worth nothing, all right? They're always going to have some intrinsic value. So having it in your portfolio is a good idea, regardless of how you want to go about doing it. If you've been thinking about it, but you're not real sure how to get started in using gold to diversify and protect your hard-earned wealth, then I would highly recommend you give my friends over at Harvard Gold Group a call. Look, these guys, they're, they're, they are clearly the premier conservative gold company. Uh, they're the folks I trust. I've done business with them. I love these folks. They're phenomenal. All right. They're Better Business Bureau approved. They've got five star ratings across the board. They make it easy to buy and easy to sell. They've got a low price guarantee with up to $15,000 in free promotional gold and silver with qualifying purchase. In my mind, uh, the fact that that's available uh, makes it worthwhile to call just to find out what it takes to uh, get the free gold and silver, right? Because if you're going to invest anyway, you might as well take full advantage of all the freebies available. Uh, it seems smart to me. Anyway, uh, call for the free investor's guide today. And whether you just want to protect your retirement accounts or you would just really like to have gold in hand, call Harvard Gold Group. You can call them right now, or you can wait till the show's over. Uh, jot this number down real quick. Uh, that's 844-977-GOLD, 844-977-4653. Or you can visit them online. Just go to harvardgoldgroup.com. Uh, if you go online, be sure to use promo code TAP. That's T-A-P-P. -P. And if you give them the call, uh, gives you a chance to actually talk to a person. Be sure when they ask you how you heard about them to mention Tap Into the Truth or Tim Tap, or uh, you can probably get away with just saying, hey, Tap, T-A-P-P. -P. Uh, they'll know <laughs> who you're talking about. And the upside of doing that is that we'll then uh, enable you to take advantage of an additional $250 in pre-promotional gold or silver. Uh, also, requiring a qualifying purchase, of course. But again, like I said, uh, if you're going to invest anyway, might as well take full advantage of the opportunity. So one more time, that's 844-977-GOLD, 844-977-4653, or harvardgoldgroup.com. Uh, quick, easy way, both directions, okay? All right, so... Uh, we were talking at the end of the last segment about why the Democrats don't want to uh, trigger the 25th Amendment and just remove Joe Biden from office. Talked a little bit about it last Friday with Becky Noble. If you missed that show, feel free to hit the archives. She was our guest for the entire second hour, and we kind of started the conversation with that. And I mentioned my hot takes on why they don't want to do that, uh, mostly because it would have a chilling effect on their plans to replace Joe Biden at the convention, 
upcoming. Uh, I think they're probably going to have to do that too. It would just throw a little bit of a, a monkey wrench in it because then it becomes really difficult to explain why you're not sticking with Kamala if she actually becomes president before the end of Biden's term. But uh, as I just mentioned there at the end, it also has an effect in how much control they have of the Senate, uh, they being the Democrats. They lose the tie-breaking vote. They can regain the tie-breaking vote if Kamala selects a Democrat as her VP, but then in, that's a process that has to be done. And if she just so happens to tap someone from the Senate, which would be likely as far as she's concerned, because I don't think she would feel comfortable tapping somebody that she doesn't know. And she knows the Democrats in the Senate much more than she does House Democrats because of her time as senator from California before she became the VP pick. I'm sure the party would instruct her not to do that. The party also would instruct her not to choose someone from the House. So then who is she going to select? And the longer that spot stays open, the longer the Democrats don't necessarily have control of the Senate. And with impeachment questions in play, that becomes an issue. But what also becomes an issue for the Republicans is what's going on over at the House. You see, the House GOP has a very narrow majority, and it looks like it's got even smaller with the results of the special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District, uh, the effort to replace freshman Representative George Santos uh, following his ouster from the House uh, on fraud charges. And what it comes down to, if, if he's actually guilty of the things he's been accused of, especially the use of credit cards that were given uh, in order to process contributions to the campaign, uh, the use of those for multiple charges rather than what would simply had been approved by the credit card owners, if that turns out to be true, then he should be removed, period. The question now becomes, should he be removed before criminal charges can be proven? That's a standard that we've talked about when it comes to the, the executive branch. That's not necessarily a standard that's ever really been upheld uh, in any other branch of uh, the federal government, and primarily because until about the time of Bill Clinton, you would have always seen these office holders simply resign before criminality could move into a realm of being provable or not. The appearance of impropriety was enough to get people to step down if there was even the inkling of the possibility of it being legitimate. So there's an open debate as to whether or not George Santos should have been removed. Uh, I don't have a problem with one party or the other trying to discipline their own, but I definitely get the fact that when it's this narrow and that the Republicans are really the only thing keeping the Democrats in check in an effort to save the Republic at this point, and it's not that the Republicans are trying to save the republic. They're simply trying to, generally as a party, 
have a slower, more managed decline, but at least we the people have time to move towards a course correction and change the Republican Party over time. They are the only brakes, the only speed bumps to stopping the let's go ahead and tear the whole thing down Democrats. Anyway, news outlets called the race in favor of Democrat Tom Suzuzzi. Suzuzzi? Suzuzzi? Anyway, you guys know who I'm talking about. I think the papers are going to go back up. Anyway, (laughs) Democrat Tom over his GOP rival, uh, Mesa uh, Phillip. Now, Mesa seemed like a really good candidate to me, a much better candidate than George Sanders had been. So why was George able to win when Mesa wasn't? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The contest, of course, reached a conclusion on the heels of the failed GOP bid to stop. No excuse mail-in voting for the special election. And in a twist of fate, a winter storm hit the area just in time for Election Day, lowering expectations for turnout. Meaning that the mail-in votes, which is almost always democratically controlled, uh, democratically dominated, I should say, uh, probably amounted to the majority of votes cast that day. So the question here becomes, did the winter storm become the determining factor? Is it that why Mesa didn't win? If that's the case, it's very sad. Because a lot of people are going to be pointing to the fact that, see, the people of New York have spoken. They now wish the Democrats to get a little bit closer to, in, to being in control so that they can put an end to all these Republican shenanigans. That's going to be the discussion from the left. You're not likely to hear a whole lot of discussion about the rather heavy <laughs> Winter storm, the high snow content in a short amount of time, winter storm that affected voting in the district. You're not likely to hear the Republicans were, of the state Republicans were unable to return melon voting ballot criteria to pre COVID 19 levels, meaning a return to more common sense, a higher rejection rate, a uh, simply Because it's here, we're going to accept it as a legitimate vote, even if it's questionable mentality that was adopted during the COVID-19 election period. Why did the people of New York, why were the Republicans of New York unable to get this change corrected? When, in fact, it's very questionable still as to whether or not the state constitution even permitted the change the way it occurred in the first place. Now, granted, I've looked at it, and in, in, in New York, it looks like they've, they've had a lot of leeway with that, and that the change probably was not a violation of the state constitution, but there is still some legal arguments ongoing. It seems to me like a stay 
should have been put in place were those old rules until a final determination could be made. Um, they refused to do that. So, is this what the Democrats are going to claim? Or does this in any way reflect how New Yorkers are currently feeling about the Democratic Party as a whole? Because ultimately, that should have been the determination here. There should have been some level, some question. Hey, New Yorkers, is it bad enough yet? Is crime bad enough yet? Is the homelessness situation that is resulting uh, as a result of open borders policy been enough yet? Is it bad enough yet? And the truth of the matter is, it may very well be, especially in the district in question. They did, after all, vote for a Republican last go-around, even with the obvious flim-flam con-man <laughs> vibes that George Santos gave off, even before these accusations were made. They were so over the Democratic Party then that they voted for this guy. Would that not have happened again had it not been for the snowstorm? The, the ultimate question then becomes, how determined should you be to go and vote? Was it safe to go vote? Yeah, New York, there are no strangers to bad weather. They've dealt with high levels of snow. It was a lot of snow in a short amount of time, but it wasn't enough to really stop people from going and showing up at the polls. They just didn't go show up at the polls. So, what's next? Well, the bottom line is, what's next is the Democrats now have just a little bit more uh, power in the House. And when the margin is as tight as it is right now between Republicans and Democrats, when the, the GOP control of the House is as limited as it is currently, that one extra vote makes a huge difference. When you have the type of division within the Republican Party, uh, in the House Republicans in particular, that you currently have, it's not that hard to imagine a few Republicans peeling off just because of anything establishment that's been tacked into a bill. It's not hard to imagine uh, maybe one or two Republicans uh, completely of good faith, although bad uh, decision-making, believing something like the Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment uh, doesn't meet constitutional muster because of the high crime and misdemeanor. And part of the reason there would be because it's been so long since it's been done, the whole idea that simply violating the constitutional description of the job does, in fact, constitute a high crime and misdemeanor. Not from a legal standpoint, but from the political standpoint, which is the point that you're looking at. Now, they clearly wanted to include, if you're actually engaged in clear and obvious criminal behavior, that you should be removed from office. You can't be entrusted with the power. You can't hold the public trust if you're untrustworthy. And that is the whole premise. That's the whole idea. Violating the Constitution is a high crime or misdemeanor. 
depending on what the level of violation is, you can make the argument either way. When you're uh, actually enabling an open border, when you're actually enabling uh, an invasion on the southern border, you are, in fact, entering high crime territory because that's treason territory. Joe Biden sold out the United States every chance he had when the dollar signs were right. That's all but proven right now. And the only reason it hasn't been proven in court is because the Democrats are trying their best to prevent Joe Biden's impeachment. Joe Biden should be on the chopping block for the exact same reason that Mayorkas was impeached on Tuesday. So you can go ahead and bring forth articles of impeachment on multiple things. The problem here is that until something happens over in the Senate, they're not going to care about the evidence. They're not going to care about the criminality. They're just going to vote along party lines, and they're probably going to peel off one or two Republicans because it looks like there's at least two Republicans in the Senate that still say this doesn't meet constitutional mustard, when in fact they're ignoring the simple fact that the Constitution is the highest law in the land. You can pass any other law. You can even subscribe to the idea, the general principle of uh, judicial uh, discretion. But you still have to acknowledge that that discretion, that determination of how you're going to enforce the laws still requires you to enforce all of the laws. It allows you to prioritize where you're going to focus, but it doesn't allow you to ignore the law. It doesn't <clears throat> allow you to put in place a policy that actually violates the law. So by just ignoring the laws, then you are, in fact, ignoring your oath of office. You're ignoring your constitutionally dedicated job description. Therefore, you have violated the Constitution, which is the highest law of the land. You've broken the law, which by definition means you're guilty of a high crime or misdemeanor. Therefore, you are worthy of removal through impeachment, period. But we're probably going to end up in a situation where somebody who's lost a family member or a loved one as a direct result of this open border policy needs to sue the government on the claims that they failed to do their job. And when they can prove clearly that the immigration law has been broken by the government itself and it led directly to the death of family members, the death of American citizens, then you'll have some standing in the court to take that next level. All right, let's reset the hour. Guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. She was from a blue state clan, taught to praise the little man, told that union saved the working class. He was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun warned about the greed within the mass they met beneath the moonlit sky a college party drunk and high and when they had degrees they said their vows he couldn't say when he 
Couldn't say how, couldn't say why She was different in his eyes They built careers and had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death Learn to hate the public school Hi, I'm George Sinzer of Firefox News Online Productions and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tap Into The Truth. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me and I gladly Defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Yeah, Lee Greenwood really summed it up right there. A great freaking song. And uh, thank to George uh, Center for for doing that liner as well. Thank you, George. All right, guys, here we are. Uh, We are circling around watching so many different stories unfold and at the end of the day nobody really seems to be making the points that need to be made somehow we've lost track of mainstream media's efforts to to go from speaking truth to power to simply becoming an activist arm of the leftist agenda and as a result we end up, well, we end up being criminalized for trying to tell you the truth. Uh, we end up being criminalized for having a point of view that's different from the administration, the current regime. We have people literally in jail because they were at the Capitol building at a time when others chose to get involved in a little bit of a riot. Not an insurrection, but a riot, yes. We have people currently in jail because they believe in the sanctity of life. They believe that they have a constitutional right to protest, and that during the course of their protesting, where they were praying and singing uh, church hymns, that uh, they happened to be close to the entrance of a clinic that was providing the so-called service of the murdering of pre-born baby humans. Uh, So what are you really talking about here? You're talking about thought crimes, something that America is supposed to stand against, something that our system is supposed to protect us from. We are there. We need to course correct before it's too late. A lot of people seem to think it already is. It's not. But we got to get there. We got to start taking serious steps and soon. All right. Before we get to the uh, next segment of today's show, I do need to remind you that you could be part of the two thirds of Americans that are currently at risk of a long term blackout. You could find yourself sitting in the dark for hours, uh, maybe days, maybe even weeks, 
depending on the reason for the blackout. Our friends over at 4Patriots want to know, are you ready to protect your family from that lack of power? And I'm quick to remind you that you could be if you have the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. Look, the folks that uh, have tried this bad boy out, that have this bad boy in their possession, they'll be the first ones to tell you that it's worth its weight in gold. And gold is quite a valuable commodity. Look, the reason why is because this generator has doubled the capacity of almost any other solar generator in the market, and certainly doubled its previous iterations. It's expandable, so it can do even more. You can run big appliances like a refrigerator, and you can run it for even longer. Plus, you can run other devices. Whatever you might need uh, going, it can handle. Need your electric blankets going? Plug it up. You're good. Need to operate your microwave for a bit? Plug it up. You're good. RV air conditioner? Well, yeah, you can keep that going, too, if uh, it's summertime and uh, no power. It's a good idea, but I think it's the medical devices. That are probably the biggest deal. If you rely on medical devices that have to have power to keep you going, this is a good thing. You get 12 outlets with this big bad boy. Uh, it includes four AC outlets, so you can power more devices at one time. It's got two USB-C outlets, so you can charge your cell phone. And you can do it about 20 times faster than a regular plug. The best part... You don't have to worry about using it indoors. See, if you have a gas-powered generator, you can't take it indoors. You run the risk of carbon monoxide. These, they, they're safe to use inside. They never need gas. And again, gas is an issue. You have gas generators. You know how to set it up to be safe and avoid the carbon monoxide. Then great, good, I'm glad you're ready. But then you also know that gas has a limited shelf life. It's only good for so long. So having the ability to tap in to solar energy makes for a great additional part of your preparedness plan. Okay, so don't just poo-poo on it because you think you're good to go. Seriously, how prepared are you if your gas is uh, taken to the point that it's not usable anymore? Maybe you don't have electricity to go get more gas because those pumps at the gas stations, uh, they take power, guys. Anyway, over 150,000 Americans already trust the Patriot Power Generators. Uh, you can count yourself among them if you uh, take the time to go get one. Go to 4 backslash T-A-P-P and get your solar generator right now. Look, uh, that page, the number 4, 4Patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P, it'll take you to this week's deals and discounts page. It's a great place to start on your preparedness plan. It's also a great place to go if you're pretty far down along the line, your road to being prepared for the worst. Uh, so you can find some things to add to what you already have. Uh, and you got a pretty good price to go with. That's a page that's been set aside for listeners of the show. But feel free to share it with somebody that you think might can use it. Go there at the top of that page. One of the uh, banners up there that you can click will take you straight to the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X clearly right there at the top. So just hit it and you're good to go. 
All right, so you might think that it's pretty obvious why we should move forward, why it shouldn't be difficult to, to elect Republicans, uh, although it would help if Republicans are sending good candidates to run and got better at messaging and could cut through the uh, willingness of mainstream legacy media to send out a message that is less than flattering to the Republicans. I mean, they're happy to make it look like the Democrats are they're out there fighting for the average guy. And they care about uh, the poor and they care about the downtrodden and uh, the Republicans are just looking out for the rich. They're, it's easy to buy into that if that's the only messaging you get. And again, I have to remind you, if you're listening to this show, then there's a really good chance that you're a news junkie. There's a really good chance that you're already dissatisfied with the mainstream legacy media. And it's understandable. But what you have to understand is that you're part of a rare breed. You literally represent less than 20% of the American public. There's not that many folks that are news junkies. There are way more people right now making a big deal about Taylor Swift having been at the Super Bowl and, oh, then they went clubbing after uh, and uh, <laughs> Taylor's parents were at the same club with Taylor. And there are more people following that story than the impeachment of Mayorkas. So the only news they're getting is from mainstream legacy media. That's also what makes it really difficult to poke holes in the insanity when Democrats like Barbara Lee, a Democrat from California, goes around talking about what the federal minimum wage should be. Because during a debate this week for one of California's U.S. Senate seats, she's running for that position. She said that it makes sense to raise the minimum wage to $50 an hour. Now, Lee, whose proposal means that minimum wage workers would make more than $100,000 a year, made the remarks while on stage Monday night facing off against Representatives Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Republican Steve Garvey. Schiff and Porter both have called for increasing the minimum wage to at least $20 an hour, while Garvey has correctly pushed back against raising the minimum wage at all. See, they're real quick to, the Democrats are real quick to say, oh, we just need to get you paid more money. But they're real slow as to explain what the effects of that would be to the general public. Are you really ready to pay $10 for a Big Mac? I mean, if you literally raise the wages to $20, minimum wage across the board, $20 an hour, you're probably looking at closer to $18 for a Big Mac. But imagine what it would be if you raised the minimum wage to 50 bucks an hour. Because that means that you are paying $50 an hour for every hand that's touched, every bit of what you purchase. A minimum of $50. The people who've been there for a while would presumably still get paid more than the minimum because that's how you tend to keep folks. But a lot of smaller businesses, a lot of smaller companies aren't going to be able to afford to do that. 
So then they're going to lose a lot of their top talent because they're going to get mad that they're only getting paid minimum wage. They're going to get made mad that they just got a big raise to take them to minimum wage because they're still going to recognize that it's minimum wage. They're still going to recognize that now I'm getting paid the same thing that this snot nosed little kid who's still in high school is getting paid because that's the big, nasty, dirty secret about minimum wage. It's meant to be what's paid for those entry level positions. When you're first getting some experience, nobody is supposed to be trying to earn a living on minimum wage, and nobody should be earning a living on minimum wage unless they have made some very bad decisions in their life, unless they have not managed to improve their situation at all. And you can improve your situation by simply showing up and being an asset to the company. That's how you get raises. That's how you earn more money. That's how you climb the ladder. And there's nothing holding you back from climbing the ladder if you show yourself to be a consistent, reliable, quality employee. Nothing. And if you're not getting treated fairly, legitimately being treated fairly, you got the option to go somewhere else. You also have educational options that would help improve your situation. Now, maybe you don't feel like you can do that. Maybe you don't feel like that's a thing that you could do. You're probably wrong about that. It just might require you doing some things you don't necessarily want to do, like uh, taking away, sacrificing a few hours sleep, maybe sacrificing a, a few hours you typically use to play Call of Duty, whatever it is. But you've got options available is my point. So what would a $50 an hour minimum wage across the board look like? If there's any small businesses that stay in business at that point, there's going to be a lot less of their product available because they're not going to be able to carry a full complement of employees. There comes a point where there's only so many dollars available and what you have to charge for your product at the end in order to just break even goes up. You're literally going to be putting businesses out of business. You're literally going to be eliminating those entry-level positions. And is this isn't like I'm just making it up. It's not some fringe economic theory. We have seen this play out every single time the federal minimum wage has went up. Prices on everything went up, cost of living goes up, and normally, there have been a couple of exceptions, but it's not very frequent. Normally, the cost of living goes up at a rate that's higher than the extra dollars you as an individual have because of that increase. And again, this really only helps for those entry-level positions. At some point, you need an entry-level position. But hey, that's not really the Democrats' thing. The Democrats want you on the government dole. They want you depending on them. So if they dry up all the jobs and you have no choice but to live on the stipends that they offer you, the crumbs they're willing to shuffle, uh, to scrape off the table and send your way. This coming from the party, I remind you, that constantly talks about how trickle-down economics is a terrible thing. They want you living off of what they allow you because then they have you under their thumb. So, again, this isn't a thing where they don't understand the economics. They do all too well.
Lee said during this debate. In the Bay Area, I believe it was the United Way that came out with a report that very recently, $127,000 for a family of four is just barely enough to get by. Another survey very recently, $104,000 for a family of one, barely enough to get by low income because of the affordability crisis. Now, again, I'm not sure when we started referring to an individual as a family. <laughs> a family of one uh, is not technically a family, it's just an individual. But again, Democrats, uh, reality, the use of words, trying to change meanings, you know the game they play. Probably just to misspeak. I already just said a family of four a second ago, so again, I'm not going to dwindle too long on that. It's just something that kind of strikes me as needing to be pointed out. A family of what? Yeah, it is barely enough to get by in California. It is barely enough to get by in the Bay Area, but that's got nothing to do with rural Alabama. It's got nothing to do with Atlanta, Georgia. It's got nothing to do with Roan County, Tennessee. It has to do with the horrible economic side effects of allowing Democrats to have almost exclusive control over places like, I don't know, the state, the Bay Area. Every single one of these policies that's led to this unaffordability, uh, the affordability crisis, as she said, has been the direct result of local Democrats having complete control, unchallenged, nobody even pumping the brakes, zero speed bumps. And if you think raising the minimum wage to $50 an hour would help correct it, then I challenge the politicians of the Bay Area to go ahead and raise minimum wage within their uh, district to $50 an hour. And then we'll sit back and we'll watch and see what happens as everyone finally leaves the Bay Area except for those on the government dole. She wasn't done yet, though. She she exclaimed something that she really doesn't want us to do, but she wanted to sound confident. Just do the math. Just do the math. Of course, we have national, national minimum wages that we need to raise to a living raise. I think she meant to a living standard. Uh, you're talking about $20, $25. Fine. But I have got to be focused on what California needs and what the affordability factor is when we calculate this wage. Well, okay. Well, do your math. But then also look at why it is that way. We'll do the math and we'll understand that you're going to finish off the destruction of our economy. We'll do the math and we'll recognize the fact that you're going to cause a great deal of harm. There's no good that's going to come of this. It's all negative. You're going to shut down small businesses, and you're going to force larger businesses to just leave. But again, that's kind of a feature, not really a bug. But thanks to the mainstream legacy media and people not understanding economics... 
something like that sounds to the average citizen, especially the average Californian, like she's actually trying to stand up and help. It sounds like she genuinely believes that this is a thing that can do good for everyone, when in fact, the national minimum wage hasn't served a positive uh, focus for the country in a very long time. There was, I will acknowledge, a time, many, many years ago, well before my life even began, when it was a necessary thing. Uh, kind of in the same way that once upon a time, in this country, unions were a necessary evil. Unions are not really necessary now. Unions are more a hindrance to the economy and to honest, hardworking Americans more so than they help. There might still be one or two exceptions out there, but for the most part, most unions would rather shut down a business than to actually do what's best for the union members. They would rather stand strong and firm and force a company to give them more than they actually can afford to rather than, you know, maybe take a step back to help the company to be more successful so it could hire more people and could offer raises. Yeah, no, we can't have that. That looks like we're weak. It looks like we're not representing, even though that would actually be the best thing for the people working in the industry. I keep thinking about the United Auto Workers for some particular reason in this particular argument. Maybe because they just strong arm their way back into contracts that were renegotiated under terms that forced these auto manufacturers into bankruptcy. And it seems that without question, between the EV standards that are being thrust upon them and these new contracts that uh, are just the old contracts uh, reheated that forced them to declare bankruptcy, that bankruptcy is coming again. Only this time, do all these companies survive it? Can they continue? Do they even want to? It's hard to imagine an American uh, icon like Ford shuttering its doors forever. But is it that far-fetched at this point? Could there come a point where the board members are finally like, look, we can just no longer, we have no opportunity, we have no path going forward of being profitable. And without profits, there's no reason to be in business. See, that's the other nasty little secrets Democrats pretend isn't a factor. When it comes to operating a business, you operate a business because you want to make a profit. Because without profitability, you're just a slave. Without profitability, there's no reason to risk your own personal capital to try to build that company. Without profitability, there's no reason to show up every day and do the work because you're not getting paid. When you're the company owner, you don't get paid without profits. I mean, sure, you can assign yourself a salary along with other employees. That's a thing that's legal and often happens. But when we're looking at small businesses, that very rarely is the case. And even if you have assigned yourself a salary, 
if you're a small business owner in particular, you hit a rough patch where capital uh, is low, you usually don't take that check. You you find a way to to fight through otherwise. It's <sighs> either you get it or you don't. And unfortunately, if we don't start reinstituting 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 basic civics and general business back into the across-the-board curriculums of education, both elementary and high school. If we don't hammer in these basic premises, then we're going to have more people that just think a business can just keep doling out money, that they can just pay their employees whatever they want to pay them because they can just do it. And as long as they believe that, we're going to continue to have people that are going to vote for an idiot like this Lee in California because she says, hey, let's do $50 an hour. It's like, under that logic, let's just pay everybody a million dollars an hour. You only have to work for one hour a year, and you can take the rest of the year off, and we're like French, uh, the French economy on steroids. You only have to work three days a week in France, and you know, you're never going to have a whole lot. But you're going to have time to enjoy what you got. And you know what? That in and of itself has a certain appeal. Because if you could learn to appreciate what you've got, you'd feel a lot better about it. And you wouldn't need to go kill yourself all the time. So I get it. The French aren't necessarily wrong with that. But we are not the French. We tend to want more than we have. And the only way to get there is to show up and do the hard work. The only way to get there is to do the damn thing, as <laughs> some friends of mine are rather uh, fond of saying here recently. So go do the damn thing, right? Go do the job. Do the work. And you're not doing the work because you love the work, even though maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you do the work because you love the result from having done it. And if the only thing that you're loving about that is the paycheck, then great. If that's the, mo the only motivation, good. Oh, why do you have to have the paycheck so you can afford the things that you want? Okay. Good. But it takes the work. And businesses cannot just print money. The federal government really can't just print money. Technically, it would be the Fed doing it for them. But while they technically can, they devalue the dollar every time they do. So by rights, they shouldn't. If you want to maintain a strong economy, you can't. If you want to run, run the risk of decimating your economy, sure, go ahead. But that is a thing that they can do that businesses simply cannot do. The closest thing you have is the metaphor of printing money, and that is when your company develops the must-have hot product your Apple computer, and you come up with the app, uh, the iPhone. Ba-da-bam! Boom! All of a sudden, not only did you have the must-have item, but you were uh, creating a whole new market that others could ride your coattails on. Congratulations. Apple's printing money. That's a metaphor. They're not actually legally allowed to print money. They just know that you're going to give them all of yours. That's, that's the deal. That money still has to come from somewhere. If you're 
paying somebody $50 an hour, you better be a damn profitable business. You better be making tons and tons of cash. You better be bringing in the type of capital flow, type of cash flow that an Apple computer was making in the height of the iPhone craze. All right, let's take the mid-hour break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Tim Rivers from American Gulag Chronicles, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Is the United States fully operational as a sovereign, independent republic? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Recently, a group of illegal border crossers from Venezuela felt bold enough to plant a Venezuelan flag on a small U.S. island in the Rio Grande River, and then proceeded to march straight into the Eagle Pass area of Texas. The flag planting by the group of mostly Venezuelan illegals could have been driven by the recent declaration of the Joe Biden regime of massive amnesty for foreign nationals from Venezuela. Uncle Joe decided to allow hundreds of thousands of Venezuelans already in our country to live and work here at U.S. taxpayer expense, of course, for 18 months. The decision followed intense advocacy by top New York Democrats, including Governor Kathy Hochul and Mayor Eric Adams who recently begged for $12 billion to help pay for the cost of illegals rapidly turning Manhattan into a dreaded island of doom. I don't know about you, my fellow Americans, but it seems as if the government has officially turned into a giant version of Nero, who fiddled while Rome burned at the hands of barbarians. May God please save us. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. We're here today at the Whiskey House in the Gaslamp District of San Diego, where they hold the Guinness World Record for the most whiskeys in a bar, with over 3,700 whiskeys for you to choose from. In under just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. 
The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe cusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. Use your promo code to get your limited edition 20th anniversary MyPillow queen size. Retails for $69.98, now only $19.98. That's right, get a queen size MyPillow for only $19.98. From all of us here at MyPillow, thanks Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say I got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yeah, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabschett, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at RedBalloon.Work. I'm Andrew Krabschett. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschatz from RedBalloon.Work. Check us out today. Hello, this is Stella Morabito, author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Uh, before we get started up again, I do have to talk to you about the gold company that I trust, the folks that I do business with, and I can't possibly recommend them highly enough, quite honestly. They are the premier conservative gold company. They are Better Business Bureau approved with five-star ratings across the board. Of course, I'm talking about Harvard Gold Group. Look, they are clearly superior, period. And if you've already talked to a gold company or two and decided 
just not for you, uh, give these folks a call anyway. Uh, see the difference. There is a clear-cut difference. So, here they are. They they make it easy to buy. They make it easy to sell. They've got a low-price guarantee. They offer up to $15,000 in free promotional gold and silver with a qualifying purchase. Give them a call just to find out what that's about. But when you're giving them the call, you're really just trying to get their free investor's guide. You should do that today, right away. Don't put it off if you thought about using gold as a hedge against inflation, if you thought about using physical gold or silver as just a way of protecting your retirement, then you need to know the best way forward. And I wouldn't trust anybody more than I trust Harvard Gold Group with helping you along that path. Jot this number down. You're going to want to give them a call. Whether you're just looking to uh, protect your retirement accounts or if you just want to have gold in hand, which is pretty cool, you need to give them a call. That number is 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Or you can visit them online at harvardgoldgroup.com. If you go the online route, be sure to use promo code TAPP. That's T-A-P-P. And uh, if you give them a call, get a chance to talk to an actual person, which is I mean, always a plus, uh, you have the opportunity. They should ask you how they, uh, how you heard about them. Be sure to mention Tap Into the Truth or Tim Tap. That will uh, let them know who and how you heard about them. But that is also going to qualify you <clears throat> for an additional $250 in free gold or silver with a qualifying purchase, of course, on top of all the other promotional items that you're able to take advantage of. So with the financial situation on the horizon still looking, well, I'm going to say kind of iffy, but I really don't think it's iffy. I think it's just a matter of this little bubble that we've been riding is going to burst soon. Gold and silver is going to be a really nice hedge. Just go ahead and give them a call. Again, that number, again, jot this down if you haven't gotten it already. 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Or just visit harvardgoldgroup.com. Either way, you're good to go. Okay, so we started off talking about the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. I'm going to start off this segment talking to you about why that is not only reasonable, but should occur. Because in case you missed this particular uh, headline, Customs and Border Protection, they apprehended 269 Chinese nationals attempting to enter the U.S. illegally just this past Monday. This, of course, brings the number of Chinese illegal migrants encountered by Border Patrol agents to over 20,000 in the past five months. Over 20,000 in the last five months. So a uh, Customs and Border Patrol source was speaking to Fox News and said that the Border Patrol's San Diego sector detained 269 illegal migrants from China in a single day after CBP reported that agents from the same border sector apprehended 8,500 illegal migrants from 73 different countries in one week 
at the beginning of February. So in fiscal year 2024, just fiscal year 2024, which began technically, uh, again, the way the federal government operates their fiscal years, that began in October of 2023, more than 20,000 Chinese nationals have been encountered at the border. That's, of course, compared to 450 who crossed in all of fiscal year 2021. Now, Chinese nationals looking to enter the U.S. illegally now make up the fastest-growing group of illegal migrants crossing the southern border. Even the CBS News is acknowledging and reporting that. Chinese migrants reportedly find step-by-step instructions for hiring smugglers on the Chinese-owned social media platform TikTok. Many Chinese migrants fly from China to Ecuador, which doesn't require a visa for Chinese nationals, before they then fly to Tijuana, which of course is in Mexico, where they meet and pay smugglers willing to take them to the U.S. southern border. So earlier this month, former President Donald John Trump, you know, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, he was speaking to uh, Martina Bartoloma, also of Fox News, uh, saying that he believes that the Chinese Communist Party is directing the flow of Chinese nationals coming to the U.S. When asked about the possibility of the CCP pushing Chinese nationals to the U.S., which Bartoloma noted as having increased as of late, Trump responded, quote, I believe so, and I believe we're going to have a terrorist attack, 100%. So, what are we really talking about here? I mean, Trump also said that the increase in Chinese illegal migrants could pose a national security threat. Not a surprise. I've been saying that for a while. I've heard other commentators, both on the radio and in podcasts, saying that. I've even heard some from the left acknowledge this as a possibility. The real question is, we really need to be wondering, we need to be thinking out loud whether or not this is an army that's being sent here. Is this part of the Chinese CCP army? that's being disassembled, sent here like they're illegal migrants, and then being reassembled once they are here in the state. Trump continued by saying that, quote, and they were mostly men, almost all men, from the age of 18 to 25. So what's that all about? Well, we know what that's about. There's a reason why I keep mentioning it. There's a reason why every other conservative commentator worth their salt keeps mentioning it. It's an important factor. These are not individuals that are just coming here looking for a better life for their families. This isn't people just trying to escape persecution at home. They are coming here with a different intention altogether. Now, the surge in Chinese citizens entering the U.S. illegally just so happens to coincide with the ongoing fight between Republicans and the Biden administration on border security and immigration reform. Since Biden took office in January of 2021, at least 8 million illegal migrants have been encountered at the border. 
not including gotaways. That's according to CBP data. <clears throat> That's the government's data. That's their data. Meaning that it would not be surprising at all to find out that that's a very conservative number, that it's a very low estimate. Now, this past Monday, of course, House Speaker Mike Johnson slammed the $95 billion foreign aid package that was passed by the Senate that he said lacked real border security provisions, failing to, quote, address the most critical aspect of national security supplemental legislation. Now, while that's true, that's part of the political fight. That's part of why you're going to have the House Republicans really look to squash this. But at the end of the day, this is a national security risk. Having an open border has always presented a national security risk. Having an open border where you very humanely, openly accept even women and children and elderly because they are just trying to find a better life. It's also, an, it's not a circumstance that we can find to be sustainable. You have to vet, you have to control, and you have to have target numbers. And the bottom line here for Alejandro Mayorkas and for Joe Biden and his entire administration, they need to be faithfully executing the laws of this country, not picking and choosing, not using discretion in how they uh, move forward with the judicial side of the enforcement. It should be unacceptable by members of both parties. It isn't. But to have that many in one day, I mean, that's a lot, guys. 269 Chinese nationals one day in one sector? That, that's significant, okay? All right, in a somewhat related because it's also a national security risk. It's also a direct attack on the U.S., this time on the economic side, which given the current economic status of Russia and China, they definitely would love to see our economy continue to flounder. The uh, FedEx founder and current executive chairman, Fred Smith, uh, he actually issued a warning during an interview talking about the BRICS nations, which primarily consist of Brazil, Russia, India, and China. They've set out to dethrone the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency, and if that happens, the standard of living that Americans are accustomed to will be gone forever. That was his warning. Now, if you haven't heard about the BRICS pact, this is a group of folks that are legitimately trying to uh, use a different currency other than the U.S. dollar. All right? Worldwide, the U.S. the reserve current the U.S. currency is the world's reserve currency. That's how transactions are done. What do you do? 
If you're in Russia and you want to buy something from India, you got two different currencies. What do they typically do? They route it through international banks where they convert the Russian currency into American dollars. And then the American dollars are then converted into the uh, Indian currency. And then vice versa is going the other way in every other country around the world. International trade still uses the U.S. dollar as that uh, go-between. Now, you could argue all day that that's an inefficient system, but it's the only system that's been established previously to maintain a fair exchange rate. Now, why you have to have that go-between, I don't know, but it certainly worked out to the benefit of the United States, and in particular, American citizens. So Smith's warning should be of note and should be of concern. Now, Smith, of course, made the warning during an interview with Brett Baer while talking about today's inflation report, showing that uh, inflation was worse than projected and that prices are up overall 17.9% since Biden took office. Now, that's the real number. Okay, We keep hearing, well, inflation is lower, yeah, lower than the record highs. And inflation is still going up. As long as there is still inflation, it is still going in the wrong direction. And you can't allow the Democrats and the Biden administration in particular to try and spin that into sounding like a positive. Because they know it's not a positive. They know. They just expect you to be dumb. And unfortunately, for a lot of folks out there, they hear that... They hear the number, they hear that it's lower, and they're thinking, oh, well, things must be getting better. No, as long as inflation still continuing to tick up at all, it's still moving in the wrong direction. So that overall 17.9% since Biden took office is the number you really should be looking at. But anyway, I digress. Quoting here, I think the issue is much broader than just the CPI that was announced today. I mean, we're the wealthiest nation in the world because of all these wonderful inventions since the end of World War II. But we're also prosperous because we lead the world in opening markets for trade and protected those trade flows with the American military and our alliances. And then third, and probably equally important, we're the reserve currency of the world. The dollar is the medium of exchange, and our financial institutions control the movement of money around the world. All three of those things went together. And you had a repudiation of both trades beginning in 2018, when the trade wars began with President Xi and President Trump, and more recently, our government has been borrowing money at an enormous rate, almost $2 trillion last year, and the CBO just announced that we'll spend more on interest this year than we spent on the Defense Department. These subjects are not even mentioned in our political discourse these days. It's very concerning. Now, Smith, of course, said during a recent speech uh, that in order to avoid a catastrophic financial crisis, political leaders needed to recognize 
the extreme and unprecedented dangers that are facing the U.S. and that grand comprise, excuse me, sorry, and that grand comprise would be needed to fix these problems. When asked during the interview if he was seeing leaders step up to the plate to address the crisis, he responded, no, quite the contrary. Quoting again, the political process is really focused on the extremes of both parties. No one is supporting trade, which made America great, really, since Roosevelt and his Secretary of State Hall passed the first major trading bill in 1934, and then we led opening the world and restored Germany and Japan, our enemies, to prosperity through trade and the American alliance system. And then on top of that, our financial capabilities to print money at will is dependent on the dollar remaining the reserve currency. And the so-called BRICS alliance, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, have set out to deliver it set out on a deliberate course to dethrone the dollar. If that happens and we can't sell our bonds, I can assure you the living standards that we all enjoy today are going to be a thing of the past. Now, what we're talking about here is Fred Smith, executive chairman and founder of FedEx, a man who... Literally, his entire business depends on transporting goods. It depends on the rest of the economy being strong and, to a degree, international trade. is going to have his finger on the pulse of this particular issue a little bit more than the average individual. What is his level of concern? And if he has reason to be concerned, and he does, based on his business, shouldn't that tell you where our focus should be? Now, the idea of being concerned about a trade war with China, I get it. China's economy, when it opened up, presented a lot of dollar signs to FedEx, as well as a lot of other companies. So seeing that slow down... It's not a welcome sight to anybody who does business there. But if you take China out of the equation, we have no moral obligation to prop up their economy. We have no moral obligation to prop up their government, which that ends up being one and the same. Here in the States, we can prop up our economy, and it doesn't necessarily do anything to support our government, whereas The government controls the economy there. Every positive, every surplus dollar that makes its way into the Chinese economy does support that government one way or another. And they do that on the back of slave labor. They do that on the back of human rights violations, the likes of which most people in the United States can't even imagine because it's been centuries since we've had that level of activity occur here. But the fact that they're trying to intentionally knock our greenback out of that world's reserve uh, currency status 
it will be a big deal if that finally happens. We need to be making inroads inroads into reestablishing better relations with India, and we need to get them out of bricks. What Brazil's problem is, I don't know. We need to work on that, too. I don't give a rat's backside about Russia and China as far as that's concerned. I, it's, it's not something that's going to be fixed anyway. They are both antithetical to the United States. They are enemies of the United States, period. All right, I got a few minutes left uh, before I have to shut things down. And I did want to mention uh, on uh, here one of the bigger stories locally. Uh, it's kind of one of the chapters has been closed. There's an individual by the name of Kenneth DeHart. He was accused, because you know we have to use that language right now, of killing a 43-year-old Blunt County uh, deputy sheriff and of injuring another one. This happened last Thursday after he was pulled over for erratic driving. Immediately following the shooting, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation issued a blue alert for DeHart, sparked a manhunt that lasted nearly five days. He was finally captured yesterday, February 13th. Greg McCowan, sheriff deputy who was shot and killed. His funeral is today, February 14th. So they were able to catch this guy before the sheriff's deputy was laid to rest. My heart goes out to the family and friends of the sheriff's deputy who lost his life in the line of duty. And even though technically Kenneth DeHart still stands as merely accused at this point, all I can say is that I hope that the fullness of justice is found. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, don't take my word for it. Definitely. Don't take the other side's word for it. Put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Don't feel safe if you are armed, you say gun control. 
is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Is using both hands. Well, I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223. Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family. Using both hands.